Well, hey, Seacoast family, so good to have you connecting with us online. I don't know about you, but those songs that we just sang were songs I needed for today. And just a reminder to sing to God in the high times and in the low times and in all of those seasons of life. And so I hope those are encouraging for you. Uh, this is our second week of being connected online. And, uh, you know, one thing that we're learning from this is that even though we are scattered as a church, it's still really encouraging to see how many of you are engaging with this and, and commenting and, and still moving forward as a church. In fact, last week's message, it was fun to see on the service. We had almost a thousand uh, people engaging with uh, the message throughout the week. And so it's a reminder that even though we're scattered, the secret family, uh, wherever we are in our homes, on the walks, or whatever you're doing right now, that we are still a part of this thing together. And I was reminded of Matthew chapter 16 when Jesus says, on this rock I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And that I think that is something I think we are seeing right now, that the church will prevail. We are going to get through this season that we're all in. And Jesus is still on his throne and we have good things coming. And so we are so glad that you are connecting with us wherever you are online. Uh, One note just to let you know, we did pre-record this on Thursday evening. Uh, In anticipation for possible changes, uh, we found out that the governor issued the order to shelter in place just minutes before we started recording this service. We're glad we did it. So this week we're coming to you from here. And so now many of us are in, in who knows where you are. Some of you may be on a walk. Some of you may be watching this while wearing only your robe this morning. Don't let us know whether that's you or not, but uh, we're so glad to have you. But I just thought to get us started, I just wanted to show you this little clip. Our friends over in Spain are a little bit ahead of us on their shelter in place. And so they found some creative things to to do. So here's a video clip of an idea for you if you are stuck at home right now. Take a look. Okay, so if any of you want to try that or come up with any other creative things you're doing to pass the time, go ahead and and give us your little 15-second videos, post it. We'd love to see what the Seacoast family is doing during this season. You know, when we first started planning this series, it was about six months ago. And we thought, what better way to prepare our hearts for Easter and to celebrate the season of Lent than to go through a series called In the Wilderness, In the wilderness means you're going through a time, a a long period of time where you're being tested and you're trying new things or God's teaching you new things. We didn't know at the time that we all as a nation, as a state, and truly across the globe would be going through our own wilderness of some sorts. But we, here's where we are. And this week's theme, the plan all along has been a time of comfort and what better message for all of us this week than to hear about a time of comfort even in the wilderness. So as we engage and begin today, I just want to invite you to pray with me. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this time. I pray that as we look into your word and are reminded of truth of who you are, would you encourage us today? Would you let us know that we are walking with a whole bunch of other people scattered but still together. And so we ask that we would experience your presence. We know that you are present. We know you are with us. You are in us, around us. Lord God, would you help us experience that today and be the light that the world needs. And so we thank you for this time in Jesus' name. Amen.
I want to invite you to open your Bibles to the book of 2 Kings chapter 6. And 2 Kings chapter 6 is addressing a time, you know, sometimes in the wilderness, we go through these seasons where this time of unknown, maybe um, the fear that you might be experiencing right now, anxiety uh, that some of you might be experiencing as you're thinking about possible health threats. Maybe you're experiencing fear and anxiety, maybe even anger as we look at the response. Uh, maybe not the virus itself, but what's going on around us. Whatever it is, this is a season of unknown for a lot of us. And how do we find in a season of unknown in the wilderness... How do we find comfort in times like these? And I want to invite you as we look at the book of 2 Kings chapter 6. See, the nation of Israel often had times where God had to remind them of one simple truth. He reminded them that he would not leave them or forsake them. It's a command he gives or a reminder that he gives to them time and time again of their existence. When Moses was when they were leaving the wilderness and into the promised land and, and Moses was about to die and Joshua would take over, one of the last reminders they received is, I will not leave you or forsake you. I'm with you in this season. I'm going through this with you. And so Israel was used to hearing these reminders from God. In 2 Kings chapter 6, the nation's not necessarily in a wilderness season, it, but they were in a time of unknown. In fact, at this time, the king of a, a nearby nation called Aram was attacking them and constantly fighting against them. And he had these plans, the king of Aram, the Arameans, were setting up these ambushes against the nation of Israel. But something was happening. There was a prophet named Elisha. And Elisha kept getting word of these ambushes that would come up. So he kept warning the, the king of Israel and saying, let's not go this way because there's an ambush set up. And the king of Aram became very frustrated and started thinking, okay, how are they finding all this out? Well, it came back and said, Elisha, the prophet, he knows everything that we're doing. So the king said, well, let's go get Elisha. Let's end his life so that we can attack Israel. And in 2 Kings chapter 6, we pick up the story here in verse 13. And this is the king of Aram talking about what he's going to do to find Elisha. And he says, go and see where, he, where Elisha is, that I may send and take him. And it was told to the king, saying, behold, he is in Dothan. So the king sent horses and chariots and a great army there. And they came by night and surrounded the city. Now when the attendant of the man of God, this was the assistant to Elisha, when he had risen early in the morning and gone out, behold, an army with horses and chariots were circling the city. And his servant said to him, Alas, my master, what shall we do? See, what we pick up right now in the story is what's happening is, is the wilderness we're going to look at is this time of unknown for Elisha and his assistant. A, a season in their lives where now all of a sudden, they went from relative calm to having their whole city where they were staying, which wasn't a large place in Dothan. It was completely surrounded by horses and chariots. And when Elisha's assistant woke up in the morning, he came outside and he saw the, the army surrounding them. And his response was, what are we going to do? You know those moments in life when you just have to take a breath and say, I have no idea what we're going to do. I remember a time 
when my family, we used to drive up from Southern California to Seattle every year uh, to visit family. And when we had three little kids, one thing we would do is we would leave at about 7 p.m. at night. And the goal was we'd put in a movie. They would watch the first movie. It'd be about 9 or 10 o'clock. They'd go to sleep. We'd drive through the night in hopes that we'd wake up in Northern California. We got through the boring part of California. And then we'd be up near the mountains, near Mount Shasta, and the rest of the drive would be a little more exciting. Well, I remember one time it was summer. We started our drive at about seven at night, put in a movie. We got to the grapevine and north of LA. Now that whole drive to get there was stop and go traffic. We got to the grapevine and it was pretty much all the way stopped. So here we are now, it's a hundred degrees outside. We're stuck going up the mountain and I looked down on my temperature gauge of the car and I saw it starting to rise very quickly. So I cut off everyone in the traffic. I pulled over four lanes, got to the side of the road and turned off the car. A PSA for all of you when you see your temperature gauge going up, turn off your car. So I did that. I remember jumping out of the car And we had already been driving for three hours. We'd only made up about an hour of distance. I have three kids sleeping in the back of the car. And now my car broke down and I thought, what am I going to do now? And my wife always does the first thing she does is she usually prays. I know I should have thought of that, but that's what she does. Then she called my parents and said, hey, I'm not sure if we're going to be on the same timeline. The car's breaking down or just broke down. My dad always wants to be helpful, not always practical, said, well, do you want me to drive down there and pick you up? Which, no, dad, we're an hour from home. You're 18 hours from home. (laughs) Let us try to figure this out first. But it's one of those moments where you get out and you just had to take a moment. I have no idea what I'm going to do. Maybe another moment like that is one where I went into the kids once when they're young and I went into uh, the, the room at night. One of them was crying. He was a toddler and I opened the door and realized that he was sick that night and he got sick all over his bed. One of those moments as a parent where you come in and you just think, okay, now what do I do? It's all over him. It's all over the bed. And so I just wanted to push the toddler bed out the door and into the front yard and spray it off. And I wouldn't do that because the bed got stuck in the doorway. So I I went and I actually just thought maybe if I took the sheets and kind of wrapped him up in the middle and took him out and then hosed him off was a good idea too. And many of you parents probably have thought of maybe done the same thing. But those are those moments when you have to take a breath. Okay, how am I going to solve this? This is what's happening in chapter six when Elisha's uh, servant or his uh, assistant looked and saw the crowds around him, the armies coming in. He thought, there's no answer. There's no solution. What do we do? Some of us in the wilderness, maybe right now you're looking around And you're saying, what do we do? What are we going to learn in this moment in time? And Elijah's response is where we find our first reminder here in verse 16. Elijah answered and he said, do not fear. For those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And the first lesson we find in tonight's lesson of being in the wilderness and needing a time of comfort is the reminder that says, you are not alone. You are not alone. Elijah wanted to remind his assistant, 
We are not alone. We're not in this and left out here by ourselves. For, for many of us right now, what we need to be reminded of is God is walking with us. You are not alone. Not only is he walking with you, but you've got hundreds of people of your Seacoast family who are with you. Maybe not in the room with you. They're maybe six feet from you. They might be in their living rooms, but we are with you. You are not alone in this. We're going through this together. And so it's a reminder, you are not alone. In fact, in Romans chapter 8, verse 11, Paul's writing and he wants to remind us of this truth. And he says, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. In fact, not only are you not alone, not only is God near you, but he dwells in you. It's bad thinking for us to, to even say things like, oh, God's just so distant from me right now. Or I'm just kind of wandering away and I'm on my own. No, once we have given our lives to Christ and we are in Christ, he literally is with us. What Matt said this week is the Holy Spirit is quarantined in you, with you. And so the reminder for us is we are not alone. You are not alone tonight. God is walking with you. Now, sometimes we don't always feel that. Sometimes it's hard to even experience that and say, God, what is that even like to have you with me right now? That's where we see verse 17. Elijah prayed and he said, oh Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he saw and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. You see, in the moment when Elisha's servant his assistant was all alone. He was filled with confusion. Elisha prayed and said, God, open his eyes that he may see and experience this. For all of you who are listening right now, we want you to know that we've been praying that God would make his presence known to you. We are praying that you would experience and your eyes would be open to seeing him. Maybe you're, you are even a guest with us here today. And, and for you, you don't normally connect with Seacoast or you've just been searching for some hope and for a message and you're online and you found this. Uh, maybe you're sitting in the living room with your family watching this. I want you to know that we've been praying for you that God would open your eyes, that you can experience his goodness, that you may know him. In fact, we want to even invite you at any time during this time, if you have that moment where you say, I want to know this God. I want to give my life to Christ. I want to make a decision to know the truth that God is with me. You can even go, we're going to make a little announcement right now. Go to respond.church. The very first thing you'll see is a connect card. Click on that and you can tell us about your decision today. One person last week gave their life to Christ during the message and it was so fun to be able to digitally follow up and begin the faith journey. We would invite you to do the same with us today. If that's you, would you join in with others? Comment as God is moving in your life here today, but we're praying that God would open your eyes. If you're hearing this message and maybe this is what you needed to hear, God wants you to know today that you do not have to be alone. He wants to dwell with you and walk with you. It's not a mistake. You're listening to this. 
So the story goes on. His eyes are opened. And then Elijah walks out to the the army of the Arameans and he prays, God, strike them with blindness. And God blinds that army. And this is a great literary use in this story of God opening and closing eyes. But he goes out there and they close the eyes of, of the enemy that's coming up against Elisha. And it says Elisha actually tells them in, in verse 19, he says, this is not the way nor the city. Follow me and I'll bring you to the man whom you seek. And the whole army of the Arameans, now they're blinded and they follow Elisha. He leads them to Samaria, to the place where the king of Israel and the army of Israel was staying. When they get there, once again, their eyes are open and they realize they are now surrounded by the Israelites. And now in verse 21, the king of Israel, when he saw them, his enemy, he said to Elisha, my father, which was a a sign of respect for him. He said, shall I kill them? Shall I kill them? Is this what God wanted? Did he deliver them to my hands? This is the solution to get us out of this season of unknown. This is what God wants. He's given us the enemy. Let's slay the enemy. Is that what we should do? Verse 22, Elisha said, you shall not kill them. Would you kill those you've taken captive with your sword and with your bow? No, set bread and water before them that they may eat and drink and go to their master. So he prepared a great feast for them. And when they'd eaten and drunk, he sent them on their way. And they went to their master. And the marauding bands of the Arameans did not come again into the land of Israel. The second thing that we see here is this is a point in the story when God invites Elisha and the king of Israel to do something that didn't make a lot of sense. You see, what made sense to get out of their wilderness was the enemy was there. Let's attack them. Let's defeat them. Let's end this right now. But God invited them to trust his ways. And what they learned here is in a season of the wilderness, the first thing was, God, you are not alone. The second thing that we learn is we don't have to be in control. We don't have to control the situation. When we have a God that we believe is on his throne, that we can actually be okay with trusting control in his hands. Now, I know that's difficult for many of us. And I'm not saying that we never use our brains. I'm not saying that we don't make wise decisions. I'm not saying that God doesn't invite us to trust him in the pro- or, or God doesn't lead us to do certain things. But we want to trust him in the process knowing that we don't have to be in control. Sometimes in this case, God's solution to their crisis was the opposite of logic. They were trusting God to be who he was. And that actually brought a better solution. You see what happened is they gave a feast to their enemy. And in the ancient Near East, that was equivalent essentially to having a peace treaty with them. And as long as that king of Aram was alive, they no longer had any conflict. Now, if you read on in the story, the next king brought more conflict. But for this season, God used his ways to bring a better solution. Instead of more war and more fighting, he brought peace when they realize we don't have to control this situation. I love how G.K. Chesterton says it. He said, sometimes doing nothing is one of the highest duties of man. Sometimes we just have to 
give over control and say, God, I don't need to take everything into my hand and manipulate it and work it till I get what I think is the right solution. In the wilderness, sometimes we find comfort in God when we're able to trust that he is on his throne and he is at work. Jesus said it in Matthew chapter six. He said, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of his own. And Jesus isn't saying don't plan for the future. He's not saying don't make wise decisions. What he's saying is in the context and the greater scheme of life, can we learn to trust in a heavenly father who loves us and cares about us and who knows what you're going through now and he knows what you're going to go through tomorrow. He knows how this virus thing is going to end. He already sees it. Can we trust him in this moment? And again, of course, we want to use wisdom. But God's ways always trump our ways. Could it even be in a situation like this that Christians are asked to do something that's counterculture? What if instead of hoarding everything that we think we might need, we're generous with it? The other day when we were still going through shortages of toilet paper, of all things, I was in a market and uh, at the El Napolito market right near the church and I was checking out and I looked over and saw a pile of, of toilet paper for sale right there. And the first thought was I should get a couple packages of it. Well, we had just stocked up. We didn't need it. And in my mind, I thought, if I take this for myself, who else could have had that? Small things like that. We are people who can be generous. We can say, God, you're in control of this. We can figure this out. We can work together. Sometimes in a crisis as Christians, it actually allows us to be generous rather than to be self-focused and greedy. That's the history of the church. That's how Christians have risen up from the very beginning. That's why Christians have started the very first hospitals and universities. Why Christians started orphanages and reached out to people in times of greatest need. Because in our wilderness, we're able to step back and say, we're not alone. And we don't have to be in control. We have a God who is in control. So friends of Seacoast, this certainly is unique time for all of us. I have no idea what the future holds. No idea what the weeks ahead will be. But we're going to continue praying for you. We're going to continue connecting as best we can through digital means. We're going to continue to deliver worship and teaching. Maybe in new venues, but we'll be doing it. But we want you to know that wherever you're at, we're praying for you. We want to walk with you. We want you to know today, you are not alone. And our God is in control. We can trust that. We can believe that. So let's move forward with that truth. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you so much for a reminder that we actually have very little ability to control things. And God, it's actually very difficult sometimes to face some of these things that we're currently facing. It's very difficult to know what the balance between trust and action is. And Lord, it's very difficult to, to feel 
that you're with us when we're told to be isolated and it's very difficult, Lord, to trust uh, what's happening around us. But God, give us the faith to believe that you have not been defeated in 2,000 years and you will not be defeated now. God, we can trust in you. We can find hope in you. And Lord, for everyone out there today who needs peace, would you just give them your peace? Everyone who needs your comfort, God, would you just bring your comfort? And Lord, those today who want to give their life to you, would you welcome, welcome them into the family? And if that's you, you can say a simple prayer of Lord Jesus, would you forgive me for my sins? I surrender my life to you. Would you come and dwell in me and walk with me through this life? And if that's you today, we want to invite you to pray that. We want to invite you to let us know you prayed that. We will follow up with you and we will walk with you in this journey. So we thank you for joining us here, God. We thank you for today in your name. Amen.